Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Bloomberg Money recently printed an article extolling a theory from a man many consider to be the greatest economist of the 20th century, Milton Friedman. The theory is called helicopter money. Milton Freeman was a brilliant son of poor immigrant parents whose father died when he was 15. So he had to be creative in order to supplement his scholarship to Rutgers University in New Jersey. He and a friend capitalized on the Rutgers tradition that freshmen are required to wear green ties. We got the green ties from his father and went from door to door in the dormitory selling them. And that gave us the idea that we could do the same thing with books. So the next year, we arranged that spring for Barnes & Noble to come to New Brunswick and uh, offer to buy secondhand books. Milton and his friend make money, and the students pay less. Early benefits of a free market. Freeman graduated from Rutgers, got his master's from the University of Chicago, and his Ph.D. from Columbia. In 1976, he was awarded the Nobel Prize for Economic Sciences. He married his college sweetheart and went on to teach at Columbia and Cambridge, the University of Chicago, and the Hoover Institution. Freeman didn't think inside the box, as so many economists of his day did. For instance, his original helicopter money thought experiment, discussed in the recent article, involved kickstarting an economy using a one-time drop of money by a central bank to citizens, literally from a helicopter. In his real-world application, however, it would mean getting money to the citizens of a nation through a large one-time tax cut. However, the tax cut would be paid for by the central bank printing money. In the United States, that would mean the Federal Reserve rather than through government debt. It was one of the many innovative ideas from Friedman who generally rejected government intervention in the economy. Before Milton Friedman rose to prominence, the preeminent economist of the 20th century was British economist John Maynard Keynes, who advocated for more government intervention in the economy. He was a rare breed. There were very few economists at that time who believed as he did, which is why he was thrilled in 1947 to receive an invitation to attend a meeting in Sweden of some of the brightest like-minded minds in the world. The invite came from the Nobel Prize winner, Friedrich von Hayek. In the spring of 1947, he invites an elite group of economists, political scientists, historians, and other intellectuals including Milton Friedman, to consider the consequences. They call themselves the Mount Pelerin Society for the Swiss town where they held their first meeting. And it was organized because as of that time, the number of people around the world who were firm supporters of liberty, of a classical liberal point of view about human society, were very few and far between and were beleaguered wherever they were as a small minority. 
Friedman's ideas would eventually become hugely influential in the thinking of Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan, President Ronald Reagan, British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, and later Ron and Rand Paul. Friedman was a brilliant defender of the free market, or capitalism, which seems to many to be a dirty word today. It was, it was exhilarating. We were warriors uh, in combat uh, with the, most of the rest of the profession. Although capitalist and free market America also had detractors back in the 1970s as well, and Friedman often engaged them on college campuses. In my opinion, a society that aims for equality before liberty will end up with neither equality nor liberty. And a society that aims first for liberty will not end up with equality, but it will end up with a closer approach to equality than any other kind of system that has ever been developed. You can only aim at equality by giving some people the right to take things from others. And what ultimately happens when you aim at equality is that A and B decide what C shall do for D. (laughs) Except that they take a little bit of a commission off on the way. In 1979, he sat down with then talk show host Phil Donahue and addressed Donahue's concerns about capitalism. Did you ever have a moment of doubt about capitalism? And whether greed's a good idea to run on? Well, first of all, tell me, is there some society you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other fellow who's greedy. (laughs) This, the world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. The great achievements of civilization have not come from government bureaus. Einstein didn't construct his theory under order from, a, from a, a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way. In the only cases in which the masses have escaped from the kind of grinding poverty you're talking about, the only cases in recorded history are where they, where they have had capitalism and largely free trade. If you want to know where the masses are worst off, it's exactly in the kinds of societies that depart from that. So that the record of history is absolutely crystal clear that there is no alternative way so far discovered of improving the lot of the ordinary people that can hold a candle to the productive activities that are unleashed by a free enterprise system. But it seems to reward not virtue as much as ability to manipulate the system. Uh, And what does reward virtue? You think the uh, communist commissar rewards virtue? You think a Hitler rewards virtue? You think, excuse me, if you'll pardon me, do you think American presidents reward virtue? Do they choose their appointees on the basis of the virtue of the people appointed or on the basis of their political clout? Is it really true that political self-interest is nobler somehow than economic self-interest? You know, I think you're taking a lot of things for granted. And just tell me where in the world you find these angels who are going to organize society for us. Well, I don't even trust you to do that. Friedman was so unafraid and unashamed of his belief in the goodness and rightness of capitalism. If he were alive today, he would no doubt be labeled an uncaring, hateful racist. So the only societies which have been able to create broadly based relative prosperity have been those societies which have relied primarily on capitalist markets. That's true whether you take Hong Kong, 
versus mainland China, East Germany versus West Germany, Czechoslovakia before World War II and currently, you cannot find a single exception to that proposition. He was asked at a college forum what the government's responsibility to the poor is. First of all, the government doesn't have any responsibility. People have responsibility. This building doesn't have responsibility. You and I have responsibility. People have responsibility. Second, the question is, how can we as people exercise our responsibility toward our fellow man most effectively? That's the problem. So far as poverty is concerned, there has never in history been a more effective machine for eliminating poverty than the free enterprise system and the free market. <laughs> the period in which you had the greatest improvement in the lot of the ordinary man was a period of the 19th and early 20th century. Those of us in this room are the heirs of that. If you look at the real problems of poverty and denial of freedom to people in this country, almost every single one of them is a result of government action and would be eliminated if you eliminated the bad government failures. Have I ever been where? Welfare or poor. I have, sir. Of course. Of course. More so than most of the people in this room. How many of you have worked a 12-hour day and gotten paid 78 cents. <laughs> but you know, that's all irrelevant. Is there one of you who is going to say that you don't want a doctor to treat you for cancer unless he himself has had cancer? <laughs> While there are people in this country who are worse off than other people, by and large, even the poorest people in this country are relatively well off compared to the conditions in many other countries in the world. What we take as our standard of poverty is above the average income of all of the people in the Soviet Union, let alone of the people in India or China or in other countries. Now, that doesn't mean we should be satisfied with it. We are a wealthier country, and we've been more productive, and we should set higher standards by ourselves. But by the same token, we ought to have a sense of proportion, and we ought to recognize both the source and the problem. Milton Freeman died in 2006 at the age of 94. In a nation that has been as richly blessed as the United States, there are many who long to have a strong defender of the virtues of capitalism as he was, especially with an avowed socialist winning the hearts and minds of so many Americans currently. Tomorrow, we explore Friedman's thoughts on socialism and collectivism. Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com.